we're trying to be the best in the country and, and what we want to do, not just for that reason, but just we want to bring value to the city. We, we believe we bring a strong value proposition to any area and it's going to increase as the South Side continues to grow. Remember, I'm from here, still live here to this day. Uh, I love this area. I love this city, love this region. And uh, we'll be here fighting to keep it strong and make sure it grows and prospers in the future. Welcome to the South Side Show, your local news and information source for Atlanta's South Side. Welcome to the South Side Show. I'm your host, Artie Jones III. The South Side Show will introduce you to talented individuals, visionary leaders, innovative entrepreneurs, and game changers that make a South Side strong. Today's guest is Brian Morris, Code Enforcement Director in the city of South Fulton. He has an MBA from Shorter University, owns a real estate brokerage, and has many certifications in the regulatory and management fields. Mr. Morris has given three years of service to the City of South Fulton Code Enforcement Department and has an overall 10-year experience in the code enforcement field. Welcome, Brian, to the Southside Show. Hey, good to be here, Artie. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, you know, the Southside Show is about elevating what's going on on the South Side. Um, with us, we try to take, uh, we try to, we, we lead the narrative on the mm -hmm. South Side. We talk about all the positive things that's going on and all the, you know, the, the great um, programs that are in, in, on the South Side. Now, for our South Side show uh, guests, could you mm -hmm. please um, tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up and where you matriculated? Okay. Man, gladly. So, I love the name. I love the the core, the 285 emblem, the interstate emblem, South the South Side show itself, man. I'm from the South Side. This is where, uh, born and raised here in South Fulton. Uh, wow. Graduated from North Clayton High School. Wow. Uh, but I grew up on the Old National, you gotcha. know. So for 40 plus years, I've been here on on the South Side. So this is, uh, this is my home, man. So I, I love it. I love it here. And I love the city. I love the area. Um, so graduated high school from North Clayton High School. I immediately went to uh, went to FAMU for for a short period of time. Okay. Um, end up changing my path a little bit, and um, you know, end up finishing up at Shorter University where I got my uh, MBA uh, in Rome, Georgia. Okay. Now, when you started off uh, school at FAMU, what was mm -hmm. your uh, what was your major at the time? Actually, I started off in the it was a five years five year master's program. Uh, okay. It's called SBA. So, uh, I can't tell you what the initials stand for this time. It's been a while. Uh, but I started out in that five years master's program uh, for a master's of business administration. Uh, so I ended up coming back and finishing that up, you know, years and years later. But I did finally finish that uh, that MBA, uh, finish okay. it up. So what was your professional pursuit when you were, you know, when you enrolled into that five-year program? Uh, well, five you know, I always, I always had an interest, you know, as with most people coming out of high school, you don't really know what you want to do fully. So right. uh, all I knew was that I had an opportunity there to, to you know, matriculate and, and get a nice degree from a prestigious university. Mm -hmm. And um, didn't really know at the time. Didn't really know. But I, I've always been entrepreneurial in spirit, you know. So I, want, I always wanted to own my own business. And real estate was something that was, my family was in real estate. So I always kind of leaned in that direction of one day pursuing uh, something in the real estate field. Okay. All right. And then you, uh, so you graduated from Shorter University, uh, Shorter University, mm -hmm. and you immediately went into the real estate field? Well, uh, in between that time from, 
uh, going to FAMU, I jumped out of FAMU and, and pursued some other entrepreneurial things. Okay. Um, had a few roadblocks and hiccups along the way. We all do. Um, and just, you know, but looking back, Artie, it was, uh, it was, it was all a, a learned experience and it, it, it contributes to who I am now. Uh, so not finishing school and not, um, you know, truly going through that process, um, I went into a different field, went into the entertainment industry. Uh, had wow. a couple of music acts and entertainment acts and things like that. So I was attracted wow. to that as well. So I had a lot of interest at the time and I just didn't, I didn't have that focus to be honest at that time. But uh, you know, those roadblocks and, and different experiences gave me a lot of different background on dealing with different people. Right. You know, um, you know I, I like to say, man, from the streets to the suites, I can deal with them all. And so those experiences helped me. So I, I, once I got out of school, I got into the real estate field, um, selling houses, got my real estate license in 2000, uh, started dabbling in that. Um, in that field, real estate development. Uh, at that time, real estate was on fire. Right. For anybody that knows that period. 2000 and 2000, yes, sir. So it was feast or famine. So I, I feasted uh, during that period. And then when 2008 hit, um, man, I lost my shirt, my shorts, and everything else that came along with it, as did many other people during that, True. During that crisis. So I was heavily affected by that. And uh, what, I, what I did from that point was tried different entrepreneurial things. I just tried, I was just trying to, just trying to make it, man. Just trying to make it. So whether it was music and entertainment, whether it was, um, you know, online sales, I did a little bit of everything between that period just to put food on the table. And uh, so what what happened from that point, um, ended up starting a family and had a son on the way. And my wife told me, "Say, hey, we need, we need a steady check. <laughs> yeah, we're making it happen, but it's by the skin of your teeth every every single month. So we need you to go ahead and, and bite the bullet. I know this is not your thing, nine to five. You're an entrepreneur. Um, you know, you like to, I, I had a, a club that I that I owned and operated in one period of time. But Man, uh, Brian, she said, you, you've done it all. I, I've, I've done a lot. I've done a lot. So, But at some point, uh, you know, the boss said, hey, listen, it's time to go ahead and, and let, let's, let's, we got to settle on the way in nine months. So right. we need to do something. And so with my background in construction and real estate, I had a family friend that was over code enforcement in Fabric. And uh, she liked my work ethic and she saw what I did just in other other areas. She said, man, why don't you come, why don't you come join us over here? And uh, my wife agreed, so of course I agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so of course I agreed. And I took it. It was during it was 2012, and, and I, I never forget the salary was twenty eight thousand nine hundred dollars, and I happily accepted it because I, I needed it at the time, and uh, that's where it started. So it started as a as kind of a temporary um, band aid, you know. Hey, I'll just do this for a little while, get on my feet, and, and eventually the real estate market will pick back up. One of these other ventures that I'm always looking into, one of these irons in the fire will eventually get hot enough. That I can just, you know, yeah. uh, leave this, leave this behind right here, and right. that was the plan. And you know, they <laughs> say man plans and God laughs. Right. I know exactly what you're talking about, Brian. It seems as though that you had to really, over this period of time, you really had to find yourself, and um, you never know where God wants you to to, to go. You know, you kind of have to be submissive and let Him Him lead you. That's an impact, man. You've owned a club. You've had, you know, a brokerage. You have, you know, online sales. You have done a little bit of it all. 
Now I want to jump into what I feel is your, your passion. And I'll, I'll let the Southside Show guests know this, is that you and I are colleagues on economic development for the city of South Fulton. You are code enforcement for South Fulton. The first time I met you was out in Texas. Mm -hmm. There was a, uh, a conference, and what was that conference? What was the title of it? Uh, it was uh, VPLI, Vacant Property Leadership yeah. Institute. VPLI, that was the first time I met you. Yep. Um, we actually did a joint application and we were able to you know, get a grant to go out to Texas. But ever since I met you out there, I've had the utmost respect for you because it seems as though that you have a real passion for code enforcement and what it is that you, you do. I look at what you do in code enforcement like what I do in economic mm -hmm. development is that I go to sleep at night and I think of ways to make things better, to have a right. positive effect on people's lives. And lots of times, whenever you see code enforcement coming around, <laughs> you don't have the highest expectations that, you know, code enforcement is there to help you. Right. You feel like they're gonna write you up and give you a ticket and tell you you need to do something that you've been, I've been probably procrastinating about. But you have really, like I said, elevated code enforcement for the city of South Fulton. I know that the, the citizens there are, are very, uh, happy with your work and, and proud of what you are doing with the department. Could you tell us, uh, our Southside Show guest, about the code enforcement department mm -hmm. for the city of South Fulton? Yep, absolutely. With, with pleasure. Um, and, you know, like I said, we, we met a year or so ago for the first time. I'd always heard about you just from different different circles and all the great work that you've done uh, in College Park. So, you know, being, being from the Southside, I get to see what I know what College Park looked like, you know, when I was growing up in that area, and I, and I know what it's come to be now. And that's a large testament to what you've done, those programs you put together in College Park. So I- Thank you. Yeah, so yeah, that reputation preceded itself. So when I met you, it was, you know, um, I'd already known of you, but you know, what, what I think we share in common is, as you mentioned, is that it's more than just a job. Um, you know, it's, it's a passion and it's, it's about how can you make this work impactful? How can you make it impactful and affect as many people in a positive way as possible? So, and that's what we try to do in, in, in code enforcement. Um, you know, we see it as, and I'll be honest, I, got, I have a chip on my shoulder. I got a chip on my shoulder. So we call our team the underdog army. Okay. And what I saw, going back to my Fairburn days, going to gays conferences in different places, I saw that code enforcement was often overlooked and underappreciated and uh, not very highly regarded. Mm -hmm. We would get a lot of the work and a lot of the items that other departments didn't want to do, but we rarely had a seat at the table. <clears throat> so part of what I wanted to do was kind of bring attention to that. So as I you know, continue my career in code enforcement uh, unexpectedly because I was always looking for a way out. I wanted to use my MBA, you know, to get into finance or accounting or real estate. But as, you know, as it as fate would have it, I stayed in the field and opportunities opened up. And but what I saw was that code enforcement doesn't get the resources or the or the the limelight that some get mm -hmm. or the respect that some get right um, for the work that we do. And and so part of my mission is to redefine and broaden the definition of code enforcement as not just an enforcement arm, um, not just a tall grass, the HOA for the city. Yeah. You know? Before we go any further, for our Southside Show guests, 
let them know what code enforcement is responsible for so they'll have a true understanding of what it is that you guys do as opposed to what they might think code enforcement is. Okay, sure. So code enforcement is, you know, to, to contradict what I just said, we are the, <laughs> in the most simplistic form, we are the HOA for the city. Okay. So everything that, if you live in the HOA, a covenant community, they tell you to cut your grass, um, keep your cars in good condition, keep them off the grass, keep your buildings in, in, in good repair, don't let your gutters be falling off, your roof is damaged, um, keeping the aesthetics of the properties up. So we do that in residential and uh, commercial areas. So for our business area, we wanna uh, keep it free of trash and debris. Uh, make sure that uh, there are no signs in the window that look you know, disorderly and, and just don't quite look right uh, aesthetically. So that's what we do. We keep the presence, gotcha. uh, you know, the the appearance of the city in the good exterior, condition. The exteriors of these facilities. The exterior. And so we deal with health and safety. If somebody has electrical or plumbing issues that uh, in, in apartment complexes, we may have some troubled uh, apartment complexes where we need to go in and, you know, we've had folks just pack up and sell because we made it hard for them to maintain it in a, in a slum-like condition. Right. So we want to keep up the health, safety, and the aesthetics and what that does for the city, the broader vision is that it increases property values. It increases the pride in the city. Mm -hmm. It has a direct correlation with the crime element that's able to um, to be in that area. Yeah, and the perception of safety and the perception of crime, when, you, when it's a cleaner area, you automatically feel that it's a safer area. Right. Exactly. And even in the mind of a, you know, I've taken classes and certifications on um, environmental design, which leads to crime prevention. And the mentality, we talk about the broken windows theory, that uh, if a window is broken in a house or in a car, it tends to lead to more crime. People say, well, hey, they don't care about this, right? So let me break another window. And, and while I'm at it, let me flatten the tires and take the hubcaps off. Uh, it leads to more crime. So you take that concept to a neighborhood when you have houses in disarray, it opens it up to somebody saying, well, hey, listen, they don't care about this neighborhood. Maybe I'll open up a dope house here, mm -hmm. right? Maybe we'll do some human trafficking here because nobody, they're not cutting the grass. They're not, nobody really cares about this neighborhood. So maybe I'll do some other things that will right. slide under the radar as well. So we broaden that mission of what we do to not only affect uh, crime and police, but economic development and community development as well. So when I talk to my people, um, once you know that this, this is, regardless of what anybody may say, this is a very complex uh, and very important job that we're doing for the well-being of a city. Mm -hmm. Once you lock up the bad guys, you put the fires out, the next thing people want to know is about quality of life and how, how am, I, am I comfortable, am I safe? Do I want to live, invest, and play in this city? And that has to do with the aesthetics and we play a large part in providing those uh, high aesthetics. Okay. How many uh, staff do you have in your code enforcement department? Uh, we are currently 25. Wow. 25 total. That's an army. That's an army. That is, uh, I've worked in several local governments in the state of Georgia, and by far, your department is probably probably four times the size the size of the, the largest mm -hmm. department that I've ever been a, a part of in, in another city. Right. Um, and one thing I've noticed about your code enforcement officers is that they smile and they look like they're happy and they're motivated. Could you tell me a little bit about what it is that you do differently that maybe other code enforcement uh, departments 
might want to consider to improve their, you know, um, progress towards, you know, code enforcement? Yeah. I think it's, it's a combination of things, Artie. Um, one, it's about, you know, we are family, you know, so I, I try to bring that sense of family um, to the team, is that I care about you first as an individual, first, first and foremost, before the work, before anything else. I care about you as an individual, about your family. And from there, I think it's about what you can contribute when you come to work, the feeling that, 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 that they bring and what they see. I think it's a result of some of the impact that we're doing, some of the community programs that we do that allow them to um, be self-actualized in a way where it's not just I'm coming to just, just patrol my beat, write these citations and go home. You have an opportunity to engage with the community um, to help, you know, to be a part of the solution. And, and I, I do my best to let them know, um, you know, what that means. What, what are you, you know, by you patrolling your area, what piece do you play in this bigger picture that we're creating? We're trying to create the best department. When I came here in 2019, I, my promise in, in my interview was that we would create the best department in the state of Georgia. I've since expanded that goal to the best this side of Mississippi. Right. And now we want to be the best in the nation. So that's the goal that I put, the challenge I put before them uh, is that goal that we are, your, your, your zone, your patrol is part of that larger mission of being the best department that we can be, um, best in the nation. That's, that's, what we're, that's what we're trying to do. Okay. Tell me about some of the programs that you guys have, you know, mm -hmm. The average citizen out there knows that code enforcement is there to tell them that they need to cut their grass, that they need to move their car off of the, the grass, um, that they need to have, you know, a current, you know, um, tag for their, for their car. Sure. But talk about some of the other community type um, projects that you guys are involved with. I think that, that would, that's very interesting. You guys are a lot more involved in the community than any of the other code enforcement departments that I have been, you know, involved with. Sure. So, you know, what we what we decided to do, and this is the, the beauty and the benefit of us having our independence, right, being our own department, because, you know, in previous positions where I've been working under, you know, the police or under community development or, or sometimes they would play ping pong. We would go back and forth, back and mm -hmm. forth. In two or three years, <laughs> we would go back and forth from one to another. But we never had a seat to take. We never had a chance to say, look, this is a project we want to do. Or this is a, when it comes budget season, this is something that my team needs. Never really had that full opportunity. And most code enforcement uh, units do not. So what we've been able to do, thankfully, is that we've been able to see needs in the community and say, well, hey, look, we want to, we have an elderly person, a senior citizen that has helped to, pave all these roads that we drive on and build these schools that our kids go to. With They've their been, tax money. With their tax money for the past 40, 50 years. And, you know, we get called out for a violation because they can't cut their grass. And we have a difference between those that can't do and those that won't do. Right. And in this case, this 93-year-old single widow can't do. So... We have the autonomy to be able to say, well, look, let's put a program together for that. Let's see, can we leverage some of these businesses um, that make a lot of money mm -hmm. in our city? 
Um, let's leverage some of these contractors that make a lot of money in our city. And let's see, can we put all of these parties together, all these stakeholders together, and let's put a program together that helps out our, senior pro, our seniors in our community, our seniors and our vets. And so what, what was born from that was a program called Cold Cares. And that's basically what we've done is that we, we're taking, we take applications from seniors that can't, seniors are veterans that can't afford to make minor repairs, cut the grass, um, minor carpentry, you know, cut trees and, and things like that. And uh, we just bring a team out there to help them. And so we partnered with Home, uh, Home Depot, uh, Lowe's, Publix, McDonald's, uh, some of the big, big box stores and big um, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies that are in the city of South Fulton or South Fulton adjacent. And, you know, we're challenging them to come contribute. And most of them have done so gladly. They've done so gladly because they, they just, they, they see the program, they see the impact that it has, and they want to be a part of something. Most people just want an opportunity to do it, just provide them a way that they can do it and they'll gladly, gladly assist. That's, so that's one of the big ones that we've done is our cold cares initiative. Okay, that's fantastic, that's fantastic. Um, I've seen you guys on Instagram, Facebook, um, I've seen you, I guess, working on veterans homes and seniors homes mm -hmm. and everything. And like I said, your, your staff, they look so happy mm -hmm. to be there. I know that some of them are using you guys are working odd hours, you know, so I know they're using their personal time. Mm -hmm. When they can actually be home doing other things, they choose to be there helping out. And I think that what you've instilling in your people is that same passion to help others. And what you've done is you provide organization to it, to it all. Your big box stores like your Lowe's and your Home Depots and everything, they have lots of resources, but they don't want to invest in organizations that aren't organized. They want to invest in winners. It's the same thing in economic development. Right. Same thing if you're going for a grant or something mm -hmm. like that. You know, your grantors want to award winners because they can be associated with winners. They don't want to give to losers, mm -hmm. per se. So, I mean, it's great. Um, it's great to have autonomy and being able to go out and do the programs. You know, you are boots on the ground. You know what the issues and concerns are. You don't have to go to a higher up to get, you know, the okay to do things that's right. gonna help the community. So, you know, that's a, that's a great thing about, uh, like I said, being mm -hmm. your own department. Absolutely. And you said that you were one of what, how many? In the nation? Uh, one of five in the in the state. In the state. And so that's when you talk about the 159 or so counties and the hundreds of cities that are in those counties, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about less than, far less than 1%. And I think it's probably probably the same, roughly the same nationally, where code enforcement is usually tucked under mm -hmm. somewhere else. So as you mentioned, that autonomy. So I, I also want to mention the uh, our, our cutting edge program, which we worked with, with your department to put together. And we do the uh, yard of the month. Okay. And so it's all about marketing, you know. So we, when you know, so one thing about my team is having people to, you know, bring their skills to the table. I tell them all the time, or I say, listen, you, you are, you're a leader at your church, at your, your organization, at your, at your fraternity, at your sorority, at home, whatever you're in, you're a leader somewhere. 
I don't want you to take that hat off when you come in the door and take those and leave those skills behind and say, now I'm just going to be in this box of a code enforcement officer or admin or whatever that is. If you have tech skills, if you are a drone pilot, so we had a drone program, we have a <laughs> on-site drone pilot. Yeah. He brought those skills in with him and we got him licensed and licensed and, and things like that. But, you know, we want you to bring all those skills and put those into play for us. And that's, I think that's a part of it as well, that they're able to exercise some creativity. And that autonomy allows us to, as you mentioned, I don't have to go ask for permission to go work with, you know, Artie Jones. Let's go get something done and work outside of our silos and actually uh, get some great things done for the city. So it's right. it's a beautiful thing. So I, I want us to be an example for other code enforcement departments on what you can do if you unleash, because we touch. One thing about code enforcement that people may underestimate, the fact that we touch economic development, uh, community development, public works, zoning, planning, uh, attorneys. We touch law, every, enforcement. law enforcement, fire. We touch every single department. So having us with our independence allows us to fully be able to engage with those different departments. And it makes the city better when you can really uh, fully utilize code enforcement. Yeah. Well, I know that, I guess, in the... Um Looking at the overall structure of the city, you, I think you probably answer to the city manager. Um, and then, of course, we all answer to the city council in which they answer to the, the public. Right. But I think that uh, the city uh, did an excellent job in choosing you for the job of director to be able to lead during this time. Thank you. I've, I've seen, um, you, just, you recently had a, uh, your one year anniversary uh, what did you call it? You called it the, um, um, what was it entitled? Vic Victory Lab. Victory Lab, yep. exactly, exactly, where all of your code enforcement got up and they kind of talked about all the victories, the great things that they've done over the year. And, you know, you had a lot of speakers there mm -hmm. and everybody, it was just a festive event, great program. Um, you guys are, like I said, you're knocking it out of the park. But that is something that particular event was something that I've never seen before at all in code enforcement. I haven't even seen it for a department in general where you celebrated the things that the people have done. I think that that's game changing. That might be, I'm not sure if you're the first, but if you're not the first organization to do it, uh, like I said, as far, you know, it's, it's under a half of a percent of all code enforcements probably do that out there, or even departments. So you'd be commended for that, for being, like I said, proactive. Uh, your people are your lifeblood as far as what you do out in the field. And I know that I, I pat you on the back all the time, but I know that if it wasn't for your people, absolutely, you would not be successful. You have to be able to, you know, it's kind of hard not to be a micromanager, to kind mm -hmm. of sit back and let people do their own thing. but. When you let people use their creative juices to get these things done and you feel confident enough to let them do that, they, you help them to grow and to, you know, one day end up in your position or maybe even better. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what's the next big thing that code enforcement, what is the next uh, obstacle, what's the next thing that you want to try to um, accomplish mm -hmm. as a code enforcement department? Wow. 
That's a great question, man. That's a great question. We um, we have a, we have a lot of goals for you know for our new year. You know, twenty three. Uh, we start in October. Our fiscal year is our new years. So we have a lot of goals that we have in front of us. We want to just kind of continue on the path and build out. Uh, as you were, you know, kind enough to join us at our at our Victory Lab uh, celebration, which is exactly what it was. It was it was a celebration of the team and what they what they've done, so they can. Uh, you know, take, pat themselves on the back a little mm -hmm. bit, you know. Um, so we're going to kind of fill out those programs. So we had a, a section where we talked about our committees. And so this kind of leads to that, to that buy-in where we have about 10 committees that we have. So I don't want every decision to have to come through me because there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. And empowering those committees, those four or five people committees to whether it's the senior citizen committee or the shopping cart committee or the um, we're going to do something with the we're going to expand cold cares to go into the high schools uh, this year. So that's going to be part of our outreach committee. We're going to head that that project up. So the more that we continue to grow, we want to fill out those programs, and just become a bigger asset to the city and a bigger asset to the people. Because as you mentioned, you know, we I report to the city manager's office. They report to city council. But ultimately, my bosses are 108,000 people that live in this city. And that has to be the primary focus, uh, people first. That has to be the primary focus, that what can we do to benefit the people? Even when, we're being, even when we're, we're carrying our big stick out there, it's still for the greater benefit of those 108,000 people and their safety and their property values and their peace of mind. So we just want to expand those programs. So if we can, if we can help impact the schools, mm -hmm. that also has an impact on economic development and community development. If we can get some mentorship programs, if we can um, help assist some of those that need help, we may have a small impact on boosting the scores of the schools and, and boosting the performance. Small impact, but it's a start. And maybe we can bring some forces together to, to kind of coalesce around that. And maybe we can have an impact, something that we can model and pilot through different schools and just and just broaden our impact, man. It's, it's, it's all about for the people of this city and this region. And whatever whatever's in that in that direction, we are we're all for it. Okay. Um, I know from time to time you do have, I guess, positions that come available. Um, I guess within your high-performing organizations, I would consider your department to be a higher-performing organization. I'm quite sure that retention is really high, so you don't have positions that are available all that much unless somebody's probably just moving out of the area altogether. So if someone were interested in exploring code enforcement, getting into that field, how would they, what would be some recommendations that you would make for that individual? Um. I would recommend first art today just kind of study, you know, go go to the familiarize yourself with the ordinances. Um, you know, if you go to our website, uh, cityofsouthfulltonga.gov, and you go to Code Enforcement Department, we have a lot of resources when it comes to what the city does. Some frequently asked questions, uh, videos, and and just interesting tidbits on what we do, um, and just kind of see if it's something that that fits you. If you are community-minded. If you um, you got to be somewhat fearless to go knock on somebody's door. <laughs> I'll tell you that when you don't know what's on the other side. Right. You gotta. You gotta. It takes some getting used to. Um, being able to wear many hats, being able to be a counselor, being able to be a um, enforcer at times, 
um, but also having that humanity side to be able to relate to people from the streets to the suites, uh, no matter who you're dealing with, from the attorneys to the person on the corner. Um, so if you have those, those kind of skill sets, um, we look for inspection and military background, um, law enforcement, TSA, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. You can just have a great skill set and a great personality and, 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 a, and a drive to, to do good in the community, and, and we'll take a look. So, But yeah, so we, we from time to time, we will have an opening. We, we, we stay at about 90, 95% um, for retention, but from time to time, we do have some openings. So. Okay. Yeah. Now, you guys, are you on social media? We are through the city. We're trying to negotiate with our communications team to get our own platform, so we're, we're trying to... Maybe this year they'll let us go ahead and uh, establish our own channels, so yeah. we can because we got some stuff that we would be putting out there on, on a regular basis. So, but we do we send everything we do through communications. But okay. you know, hopefully this year we'll be able to get our own, you know, social media. And again, that's why I have asked some young folks. I have no real interest or aptitude for social media whatsoever, <laughs> other than Facebook, which which my mother is on. So I guess that makes it an old folk platform now. All right, um, don't be nodding your you head know. over there. Out there. <laughs> But all the other stuff, the TikToks and the Twitters, and listen, it's the, not me. But I have, I have people on staff that are are very well attuned to that, and right. we love are biting at the chance we have content ready to go. They're biting at the chance to get our own stuff, right? And it'll be it'll be tight when they do it. We're just waiting on the opportunity to do it. So we'll, I'll keep negotiating, keep pushing. I, I usually I'm usually pretty persistent, <laughs> so I, I, I will get something done this year. Okay. Is there anything that you would like to leave our Southside show guest with as we uh, as we wrap up? Well, first I just want to thank the Southside show. And I want to thank you, Artie, for for having me on and and you know being a great host. Uh, man, this is I think it's just I look for any opportunity to amplify. You know, this is not a comfortable thing for me. I'm getting used to this, but right. um, but I want to amplify code enforcement. I want to amplify my team, and just want to let the people know that we're out there work, we're out here working uh, for them, and you know, we're trying to, as I said, we're trying to be the best in the country, and and what we want to do, not just for that reason, but just we want to bring value to the city. We we believe we bring a strong value proposition to any area. And it's going to increase as the South Side continues to grow. Remember, I'm from here, still live here to this day. Uh, I love this area. I love this city, love this region. And uh, we'll be here fighting to keep it strong and make sure it grows and prospers in the future. All right. Well, great. All right. Well, thank you, Brian, for being a guest on the South Side Show. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. And this is a wrap, folks. My time is up. I'm Artie Jones, your host of the South Side Show, bringing you the latest and the greatest that the South Side has to offer. And if you don't remember anything else from this episode, please remember this. Don't, don't sleep, sleep on, on the, the South, South Side. Side. Thanks for joining us. Take care. <laughs>